Well, we are in part three of our series called Climate Change. And what we have said is that our lives are just really a bunch of relationships. You know, parenting relationships, husband and wife relationships, you know, relationships with our coworkers and our neighbors. Our, our relationships are, you know, overwhelming and sometimes they're a challenge and sometimes they're such a blessing to our lives. But we've also said that every relationship has a climate and that the climate dictates the forecast. That whatever climate you bring into the room when you walk into the room, it dictates where the relationship with the people in the room is going. And we've been trying to figure out how to change the climate in all of our relationships. And sometimes the climate is pretty peaceful and sometimes it can be pretty charged and sometimes it can even have a little heat to it. Well, I discovered this um, last week because I snuck out on the golf course to take a few minutes to kind of unwind. And I was playing the back nine that came to hole 13, which is the par three, which is over the water. And I saw this picture and I laughed out loud. Now you may not be able to tell what this is, so I took a closer picture. This is a seven iron, probably a 60 or $70 seven iron that somebody snapped in half and with emphatic you know, energy jammed it into the ground on the tee box in hole number 13. Now I just thought about how this whole event took place. Now this is probably a man that did this because ladies, you're just too smart and intelligent to do this, too sophisticated. This was probably a dude that had had enough of his kids in his house. So he decided, I'm going to go play golf. Then his wife got mad at him for leaving her with the kids. And he got out you know, to the golf course. And then his buddies on hole 13 were talking and laughing way too much. And then he put four balls right into the water and with frustration snapped his $70 club in half and jammed it and left it for the world to see. And then I walked up on it and I saw it and I just laughed out loud. And so if you're watching and this is your club, I, dude, I just want you to know it's going to be okay. Okay, and God loves you. But isn't it true? We all have these moments in our life. We all have these moments where the temperature is way too hot or way too cold, and we've been trying to figure out how to deal with that. That's why in this series, we've been asking this really important question, what's on the other side of me? Because when it comes to the temperature we bring to the room, we don't know what's on the other side of us. We don't know what it's like to be our family, our friends, or our coworkers. And so we've been trying to get everyone to ask this question, the people that are important in their lives. Hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Now, as we continue on with the series, we want to build on this line of thinking. And if you missed the first two parts, you can go back to our website, lifehousepeople.com, and watch the first two messages that will catch you up. But today we're going to build on that. And we're going to talk about um, a challenge that I think almost all of us have. And, and to illustrate that challenge, I want to tell you a little bit about my relationship to my beautiful, incredible wife, Tina. Tina and I have been married for almost 28 years. We've known each other for 30 years, which is quite some time. And I am telling you, I'm the luckiest man in the world to be married to Tina Ruth Brown. I really am. I mean, she literally picks up the slack that I can't figure out in my life. She watches over me. She takes care of me. It is solid to say that I would not get to do what I get to do today if I hadn't married Tina. So she's an incredible woman. I'm so lucky to have her in my life. But with that said, we are very, very different people. We are completely different people. I'm impetuous. I like to take risks. I like to have fun at any cost. And Tina loves to plan things out, 
She loves details. She likes to take her time and make sure everything is taken care of. And that's where she supports me so well because she comes along with all my impetuousness and she makes sure I'm taken care of. Like, like for example, we were talking about this earlier with our, some of our staff people, that when we travel, Tina likes to plan on every hotel that we run into and have a plan and have reservations made. I like to just drive as far as we can and then walk into a hotel at eight o'clock at night and then bargain for the cheapest price I can get. And if I can go from $130 to $80 for a hotel on the road, I have one that drives her crazy. When we were dating and I decided to marry Tina um, and ask her to marry me, I, I bought an engagement ring. And I had a whole plan how I was going to ask her. It was going to be at my, my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. But I got so excited because I had the ring in my hand. I called her up at 11 o'clock at night on a Monday. And I said, hey, let's go get ice cream. And she's like, I'm in my pajamas. I, I'm not going out. And I said, I'm going to pick you up at your apartment in 10 minutes. Just be ready. And so I got her and she was in her pajamas. We went to Arby's, the only place that was open to get ice cream. And then I drove her out to a reservoir in her pajamas. I said, let's go for a walk around the reservoir. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And she says, this is not fun. We got out to the water and immediately I dropped down to a knee. I told her I loved her. I said, will you marry me? Because I just, I just couldn't wait. I was so excited. And, and she tells us stories that she said yes, but she was so caught off guard she didn't even know what was happening because she likes to have a plan and a system and I just like to do things. So we are so different in every area. And what happens because of our differences is often we have conflict. And I put the word conflict in red because isn't that the way it feels sometimes when we have conflict? There's tension, sometimes there's anger, and conflict is hard. It's hard to know what to do with it when it pops up in our life, and you can't avoid it. Here's the bottom line for the whole message today. If you have to log off early, if you have to go do something else, the bottom line is simply this, that the climate of your relationship improves when conflict is resolved, not ignored. If you want the temperature, the climate of your relationship to go in a better direction, you've got to figure out how to work through conflict. Because when you ignore conflict, it goes in a negative direction. The challenge is, this is one of the hardest things for all of us, whether you're a person of faith or not, to figure out. So when it comes to conflict, there's basically two different kinds of people with conflict. The first group are conflict enjoyers. Now, right where you are, if you're in your home and you're sitting with some people or you're alone and you're a conflict enjoyer, raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Just to say, it, I'm a conflict enjoyer. I like it. Now, my hand is raised because I kind of enjoy conflict. I told you this before. In fact, for people like us, you don't even know why people would ignore conflict. You don't even know why you'd go, why don't we just address it and talk about it and figure it out? Because you love it and I love it. And, you know, it's a very small percentage of people that love it, but some of us love it. Now, it can be an incredible attribute if you're a leader, if you want to get stuff done, but if you love conflict that much, there's a price to pay. And the price to pay is, with us running towards it so fast and so furious, we can shut everybody else in the room down. We can intimidate other people, make them feel less than. And you know this, if you love conflict, you I gotta get my point across. I gotta make sure you know what I'm thinking. I gotta make sure you know how I'm feeling. You know, I'm a youngest child, and so I'm kind of used to getting my way. So I'm going to get my way, and I'm going to let you know exactly where I stand. And again, there can be some attributes to that. But it can also leave a field of hurt behind us. Um, a couple months ago, Ryan, who's on staff, came to me and said, hey, we're at this issue with this person in our church, and, and there's a problem. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm on it. I mean, it's conflict. 
I'm on it. I will meet with them. I will talk to them. And I'm, I'm getting charged up. And Ryan smiles at me. And he says, listen, it, it kind of feels like I just gave you a Christmas gift, doesn't it? I'm like, heck yeah. And then he said, don't forget, whoever you're going to talk to, God still loves them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Because conflict and dealing with it can be strong, but we also can kill people in the process. So that's conflict enjoyers. The other category are conflict avoiders. I am not raising my hand to this because this is not me. But if you're a conflict avoider, just raise your hand wherever you are right now. Just confess. In fact, you might need to say, hi, my name is Matt and I'm a conflict avoider. That's a challenging thing. Maybe you're a middle child, which tends to be more in this category. Now you need to know that there is a price for avoiding conflict in the same way there is for those of us that enjoy it. If you're a conflict avoider, you just need to know by avoiding conflict and wanting to always smooth things out, always make everything okay, your relationships can kind of be at a surface level. And you know this because to get below the surface is messy and it brings all kinds of emotions and uh, you know, authenticness and rawness into our lives and that can have conflict. So if you always want to keep things smooth, your, your relationships can be kind of surface deep. Your emotions can be frozen because you're not willing to dig into those things. And it makes it a little quieter in your life, but you miss on some of the deeper things in your life. And if you're a conflict avoider, you just need to know this, that sometimes love requires you to fight. Fight for, fight in, but love requires you to fight. That's for those of you that are conflict avoiders. But for those conflict enjoyers, you need to remember you have to fight well. There's a way to fight that's good and it's proper and it's helpful. And we want to figure that out today. Now to figure that out, we're going to go back to something a man named Solomon. You may know him as King Solomon. You may know him as the wisest man that ever walked on the planet. But he was Solomon who wrote some incredible observations about relationships. We're going to dip back into the Old Testament or the Old Jewish Covenant and read what he said. And as we read this, there's just two verses we're going to look at. And there's two words from these two verses that I think have incredible impact on how our relationships go. Especially in relation to conflict, which we all have and struggle to do it well. So here's what Solomon says. He says, never, and I'm going to leave these blank for now. He says, never let this and this, I'll come back and fill in those blanks in just a second, leave you. Tie them around your neck. As a reminder, write them deep within your heart. And basically what Solomon is saying is this and this has to stay with you. On the inside of your heart, on the outside, wherever you go, these two things have to go with you because they are game changers in the world of relationships. And then he says, I'll tell you what happens if you do these two things that we'll come back to in just a second. There's an outcome. There's a predictable outcome. He says this, then you will find favor with both God and people. Here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. We want favor with God and people. Favor with people means when you're a dad or you're a mom and you come home and drive into the driveway that your kids go, I'm so glad mom and dad's home. Not to have favors for your kids, your family, your spouse, oh, they're back. And the climate of our house is about to drop through the basement. You want to have favor with the people that you love and you care about. And certainly favor with God, which to me just simply means God smiles at your actions and the way you love and forgive and and you give your heart to people. So that's favor. And then he says this interesting thing, and you will earn a good reputation. 
And this is really important to me because I think especially as people that follow Jesus, and maybe that's not you, but for those of us that follow Jesus, we don't always do a good job of having a good reputation in our world. And I think when people see us coming as Christ followers, they should say, that's a person that loves well. That's a person that cares for people in their world and cares for the people in their family. Okay, Solomon, so I'm curious now. I want to know how to have favor with God and my people in my life, and I want to know how to have a good relationship. I want to have, know how to have a good reputation. So tell me, what's the fill in the blank? And so we'll just look at the first one. He says, never, going back to the verse previous, never let loyalty and this leave you. It's interesting, isn't it? And this is really for those of you who are conflict avoiders. Now, I probably wouldn't pick the word loyalty. I'd pick some word that's a little bit bigger, like honor or courage or honesty. Never let that leave you. But loyalty is a word that Solomon used. And remember, he had watched people from his advantage point his whole life with all of his wisdom. And his observation was this, loyalty is a game changer. And it's not just like it's a promise that, you know, if you have loyalty, you'll have respect and you have love, but it's probably the outcome of it. And here's the challenge for those of us, those of you who are conflict avoiders that you would say, you know, when you're struggling in your marriage and you, you think maybe I ought to go talk to her about it. If I do and I confront her, I'm being disloyal. I'm not being a good husband. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think the perception is, the way you see this is, that when you know that there's a conflict, and your tendency is to step back and say, nah, I'm not going to get in the middle of this conflict. You're actually being disloyal to the person in your life. For instance, when it comes to my relationship with my wife, Tina, if I know we have a conflict and my attitude is I'm just going to step back and hope it all works out, I am being disloyal in that moment. Because Tina deserves the best husband that I can be. And the only way for me to be a great husband is for me to step in into those dangerous territories, conflict in a marriage relationship and start to figure out what's going on and how can we resolve this and how can we walk through this together. She deserves the best math that she can get. When it comes to leading my team at church or your team at your office place or being an employee and there's a conflict going on and your tendency is to go, I'm going to step back. I'm not going to get in the middle of the conflict. You have to change that mindset and say, listen, that's being disloyal to my team. We have these incredible people at LifeHouse that work here, and I want to be the best leader that they can possibly have in their lives, and I am not going to be disloyal to them. And so I'm going to step into the conflict, and we're going to deal with it, and we're going to try and figure it out so it's a healthy place. Because you know this, in the workplace, when conflict is not addressed, it is dysfunctional. Maybe you got a friend. And you see your friend going off the rails and doing some stuff, you know is going to undermine his or her happiness. But you're like, hey, who am I to tell you what to do? Who am I to speak into your life? Who am I to ask you even why you're doing what you're doing? And I just think that's being a disloyal friend. That's avoiding conflict. I love you enough to dig in and ask, hey, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize what you're doing to your family or your friends or your church? It takes us to a question we've asked in almost every area of our lives, and it so applies to conflict, and it's, what does love require of me? I want to avoid conflict, but I see some problems in me and you and us. What does love require of me? So go back to the workplace for just a minute. You know that dysfunction that just, just goes rampant if you don't deal with conflict. If you're a manager, if you're a boss, or, or even an employee, I think it's so important to be able to sit down with someone and go, listen, 
I'm going to talk to you about some things in the next few moments that are going to be difficult. But I want you to be successful. I want you to do well in this job. I want you to have respect. I want you to have a great reputation and people to follow you as a leader. So I'm going to tell you some things that may hurt a little bit. But I'm doing it because I want you to be as successful as you can be. I mean, I, I think about this for us men. Men, you know, once upon a time growing up, we wanted to be superheroes, didn't we? You wanted to be Batman. You wanted to be Superman or Thor, whoever it is. And then you grew up and you thought, well, I can't be a superhero because there's no such thing. I literally think this is an area that you can be a superhero in, in your family, in your marriage, in the place that you work. And women, the same thing. Now, now ladies, I need you to know this about us men, though. Side note. That just because your husband or your boyfriend hears me talking about this, it doesn't mean they're going to have a switch to flip that all of a sudden they can have deep, 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 meaningful conversations. That takes time and that takes energy. This is what we know about all men, that all men have a part of their brain that has a nothing box in it. Like literally, we can sit and watch TV or watch the grass grow and think about nothing. I mean, we literally can do that. And women, I'm not sure you can do that because you're so much smarter than we are and your brain works so much better than ours because your brain never shuts off. So when you get home today and you go, hey, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't we addressing this? And your husband's just staring off into the distance. It's because he's in his nothing box. You just got to know that. I'm trying to help the dudes out today. But with that said, men, We need to step up and say, listen, I want to be the hero of my life and my family, my friendships and my work, and I want to engage in these things. And really what it comes down to is this word loyal and the cousin word to the word loyal, and that's the word courage. And the word that's cousin to the word disloyal is the word coward, which is a super strong word. I almost didn't bring this word up today because it just feels so, you know, abrasive and confrontational. But isn't it true? When I think about loyalty, I think about courage because it takes a lot of courage to be loyal. And if I'm going to be disloyal, really what I'm doing is I'm running away from my responsibility as a human being, as a a child of God, as someone that's supposed to love the people around me. So men, can can I just talk to you? I told you last week I was going to talk a little bit more to the men this week. Men, could I just talk to you for a minute? It's going to take incredible courage for you to change this in your own personality if you're not good at this. And there is nothing masculine or strong about avoiding conflict. If if your mode of operation is I'm gonna be the strong, silent type and not gonna enter into emotionally, you know, challenging moments, that's not courage. That's a little bit of cowardness. What it simply means is your wife may need you to start talking a little bit more to her. Men, can I just say this? If you have a son, It's going to take some courage to go to your son and sit him down and speak into his life. And, you know, the the mode of operation for you may be, hey, I smacked him on the back, and I just said, hey, kid, good job. But he may need to hear more from you than that. He may need to hear you say, son, I'm proud of you. Son, I accept you. Son, you're my child and I love you like God loves me. Your son, his whole life may hinge on you being able to say that. And as sons, we desire to hear that from our dads. But it's going to take courage. And that may feel like a conflict for you because that is scary places to go for you. But man, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. And maybe dads, you got a daughter and a son. Just think about our daughters for a minute. She's 13. 
And she's decided she's going to start dating. And you know if you get in the middle of that, it's going to create all kinds of conflict. And there's going to be so much emotional energy in your house and tears and everybody else gets to. And you know you should get in the middle of it because you know what you were like when you were 13, 14, or 15 as a boy and what little pigs boys are. And men, we're all kind of in that category. God loves us all, but you know, we're kind of a mess in that way. But the tendency may be, I'm not getting in the middle of that. It's going to take some courage for you to step in the gap and look at your daughter and say, I love you and your son. I love you. And because I love you, we're going to push off dating for a little while because I want to protect you. Here's what I know, Dad. Someday your daughter, your son, who was so frustrated you by that, will come back to you and say, thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. The other day, my, my daughter Meg, she's 20 now, and I tried my best to do this for her. She sat down and said, Dad, I had a dream about you last night. And she said, I said, well, what was your dream? And she goes, I was with some other Christian camp counselors from a camp she worked at last year. And she said, we went to a club in New Jersey where she worked. And I'm like, you went to a club? That's weird. She had, this is the best part, Dad, you were the bouncer. And you're the one that let us in and then watched over what we did. I thought, that is the win of my dad career, that my daughter, when she dreams about me, she thinks of me as a bouncer of her life, the protector, the person that watches over her. That's a scary place to jump into because there is a lot of conflict. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. See, conflict avoiders, conflict avoiders. Go to the next screen. Then you need to think, I'd rather be bad at conflict than disloyal. Listen, I may have to sit up all night and think about what to say because I'm not good at conflict, pray about it, say it out loud over and over, over and over. And even if I do it bad, even if I have bad conflict, it's better to be bad at conflict than disloyal to my spouse, my kids, my neighbor, my church, my place of work. We got to do better than this. So that, that's conflict avoider, avoiders. For those of you that enjoy conflict, let, let me show you what this other word is. Solomon says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. And I think the word kindness is for those of us that love conflict just a little too much. Again, I would not use the word kindness in this if I was writing this out. I would bring, use the word boldness. I probably would just bring, say, bring the pain, man. Let's get into it. In fact, kindness to me feels just a little bit weak. Like, that's kind of wimpy. But I think Solomon is at something here that's really important. Let's go back to the business world for just a second. Tons and tons of research has been done in the business world of why there is such dysfunction around conflict. And they have discovered through a lot of research that every time there's dysfunctional conflict in a business culture, there's this thing at work. It's called the fundamental attribution error. What, what that means is any time that a boss you know, presents something to his employees and then he throws up his hands a week later and goes, they just don't get it. They're just not doing what they're supposed to do. They're just not paying attention. Or employees say about their boss, our boss is just so clueless, he never understands, he's so stupid. Well, what they've discovered in the fundamental attribution error is that whenever one side assumes motive on the other side. In other words, when you see an employee doing something, that you don't understand. You just assume you know why they're doing it. If you see a boss doing something foolish and you're so frustrated by your boss, you just assume that you know the answer ahead of time, which is the challenge for all, a lot of us that love conflict because we think we know the answer. I have a friend who has a saying, I may not be wrong, but I'm sure. I may not be right, but I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure, even though I'm not sure about what I'm sure about, I'm sure. 
That's why Stephen Covey, in his amazing book, he writes this, seek to understand before being understood. So can I just give you a tip if you're a person that loves conflict? Before you go rushing in to make your point, before you go in with a sledgehammer, before you just hammer away at someone and tell them what you think, stop for a minute and step back and ask, hey, why is this so important to you? Hey, why are you feeling this way? Why does this have you worked up? I think I know. I think I understand. I'm watching this point of view, but I'm not sure I do, so I need to understand. See, the challenge with us that love conflict, we're so sure that we trample people and we crush people along the way. And what I know about you is the people that you love, you don't want to hurt. It's why Solomon drops this amazing word kindness in. It's why he says this, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. If you lose your grip on kindness and you love conflict, there will be all kinds of aftermath that you'll have to clean up later on in life. And your kids are only eight years old for so long. And your marriage is only in the first five years for so long. And you can only have grandkids in the first couple of years of their life for so long. And you don't not want to mess it up. It's a huge thing. And what's so interesting about this thing that Solomon says about kindness is thousands of years before the business world ever did research about why there's conflict in the business world, Solomon already understood because he just simply observed people with the wisdom that God gave him. And he would say, if you miss out on kindness, you're missing out on everything. That's why you got to listen. Conflict enjoyers, you, you need to think. I want to hear as much as be heard. Maybe you need to think, I want to hear more than I want to be here heard. Before you say, I got some things I need to tell you, you tell me first. And I'm just going to not respond, not be defensive. I'm just going to listen. Because you, if you don't do that, you will shut the conflict avoiders down in a heartbeat. And your relationships will not get better. And let me just say one more thing about relationships on both sides. If you're in a marriage relationship, especially for the men, men, your wife may need you to fight for your marriage right now. And one of the ways you're going to communicate that I'm fighting for our marriage is that I'm going to fight in our marriage, but fight well with kindness and patience. But I'm going to dig in and I'm going to lean in. And maybe what you can convey to her is that when you fight in the marriage, you're fighting for the marriage. Remember, you got to fight with kindness and gentleness and grace and love, which I am not always good at because I just want to win every time. But what if you can convey to your spouse, hey, I'm fighting for our marriage because I'm fighting in our marriage. And this relationship means the world to me. That's why Solomon said, you want to do this right? No matter what angle you come from, you're going to need lots of loyalty and you're going to need a lot of kindness. If you're a conflict avoider, you've got to have loyalty. I'm going to be so loyal to this relationship, I'm going to walk through my hesitancy to have conflict because I love you and I care about the people in the world and I want to model my life after Jesus. <laughs> but if I love conflict, I need kindness, 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 kindness as much as I can get. Hey, Solomon, if I have these two things in my relationships, what's the outcome or what's the predictable outcome What's the forecast of this climate? He would smile and say, I'll tell you. He said, then you'll find favor with both God and people. God will smile. 
Your kids will love when you come home. God will smile. Your wife will love to be with you. God will smile when your employees see you walking in the building. They'll be glad you're their boss. When your boss comes in the building, you'll be glad he's with you. This is a powerful thing. And you will earn a good reputation. Not that everybody has to like us, but don't you want a reputation of he's honest, he's kind, he's truthful, he has courage, he's loyal. Those are powerful things. And you want that in your relationships and I want that in my relationships. And here's the deal. By practicing these two things and then inviting God into our life and say, God, I need loyalty and I need kindness, I think that can happen in our lives. And it's a game changer as we change the climate of all our relationships. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these words of Solomon that have been preserved for so many years that they ring true in our business world, in our relationship to our neighbors, to our church's relationship, husbands and fathers, mothers and daughters in every way, God. Help us to be loyal to the things that matter and help us to be kind in the middle of it. And Jesus, thank you for being both of those things to us, that when you came and you gave your life on the cross, you were loyal to us and you were so, so very kind in their sacrifice of your life for mine and the forgiveness of all of our sins. Thanks for loving us in that way, Jesus. It's in your name I pray, amen.